The origins debate between evolutionists and creationists has been going on for decades. But what happens when arguments turn from scientific evidence into belittlement and personal insults? Stay tuned. They see their arguments as becoming vulnerable. They see their ideas as becoming vulnerable, and they're having a hard time defending them. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Creationism, for the most part, has either been ignored or criticized by evolutionists. But within the last few years, the critiquing of creationism has turned into vehement attacks and false accusations. Why is this happening? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we look at why evolutionists will not meet creationists on the level playing field of scientific content. We'll also discuss how this dramatically affects the educational system. To begin with, let's consider how scientific facts seem to be lacking when evolutionists discuss their origin theories. ICR President Dr. John Morris. Often when you see evolution discussed by evolution proponents, they very seldom give any evidence for evolution. They just talk about how well documented this is and it's beyond question and, and only ignorant people question it. They don't give any evidence. I think evolution is so weak that it can't stand the test of science. The only thing that keeps it going is repeating it and, and insisting on it, passing laws that insist on it. If you can keep the creationists from getting a foot in the door, then, well, maybe they'll continue their monopoly. But if they allow us to discuss it or if they even agree to discuss the evidence for evolution, then they lose because the evidence does not support evolution. So then why does evolution have such a stronghold in our society, especially in the realm of education? ICR geophysicist Dr. John Baumgartner says it's because evolutionary belief and old ideas are not being challenged or tested. When scientists today express a overwhelming level of confidence that evolution is true, I believe it reflects several realities. One reality is that, for the most part, evolution has not been subject to critique for over a hundred years. That means the scientific process has effectively been short-circuited. The normal corrective process in science where some scientists observe problems with the current theory, they critique it, and changes are made where appropriate. That process has not been operating in biology as far as evolution theory is concerned. So for the most part, the evolution theory has survived without that type of critique. So a lot of people, because they're not seeing critique of evolution, assume that it has a solid foundation. But because ICR and many, many other creation organizations will not go away, but rather continue their scientific research and study, the evolutionary community can no longer ignore creation science. Dr. Kevin Anderson is director of Creation Research Society's Van Andel Creation Research Center in Chino Valley, Arizona. We represent such a small minority of the scientific community and really, unfortunately, a small minority of the so-called Christian community as well, and yet we continue to have impact. We continue to have people that are affected and are impressed by our arguments, and I think it's come to the point where the evolutionary community, the evolutionary scientists, uh, and really in a sense then we would say more the atheists, the naturalists, the materialists, 
they are beginning to become very concerned because in many ways they see their arguments as becoming vulnerable. They see their ideas as becoming vulnerable, and they're having a hard time defending them. And Dr. Anderson says because evolutionists don't win arguments on scientific merit alone, they bring other concepts into the debate. That's why we've seen over the years and continue to see today that when a debate between an evolutionist and a competent, knowledgeable creation scientist, the evolutionist almost immediately moves away from the scientific material. They almost immediately move into areas of philosophy and theology and worldviews and etc. because they just simply don't fare very well in the actual scientific arguments. And so I think that's what we're seeing here as well, where we can't really address the arguments. The arguments are difficult for us to be able to truly, clearly address and refute. So let's throw up a lot of smoke. Let's just start name-calling. Let's just start claiming all kinds of things about how this is a terrible philosophy, how this is really destructive to society and such, and, and get people to not even listen to the message of the science by essentially criticizing or belittling the messenger. And as I've argued many times, first off, in the area of science, the message is separate from the messenger. Two major disagreements between creationists and evolutionists involve the genome and the fossil record. The arguments of how the genome is degrading very quickly, and so it can't be the millions of years old that evolution would say it is, of how the mutations do not generate the kind of changes that evolutionists would predict, but in fact, the mutation processes we see are very consistent with what the creation model would see, of how most mutations are very deleterious, very negative to the organism, and hard to get rid of. And those are concepts that evolutionists many times just kind of gloss over. They kind of hand wave and say, oh, we've explained those. When you really are finally able to sit down and get them through the data, they have to begin to acknowledge, okay, well, maybe we haven't explained those very well after all. You know, how the carbon-14 that's present and really just ubiquitous in all of the organic samples, regardless of the age of them. You know, fossils are supposed to be millions of years of age, and yet they still contain carbon-14. And that's not consistent with the idea that this fossil is millions of years of age. The carbon-14 should be gone. You know, there's just point after point after point that is very consistent with a young Earth creation model and very inconsistent with a old earth evolution model. Perhaps the biggest contributor to the dominance of evolution today is our educational system which shuts out any scientific view that is not evolutionary in nature. In fact, the mere questioning of evolution or any criticism of it is not allowed in public school textbooks. And in increasing numbers, evolutionists are even claiming that to teach a child about creation is irresponsible, repressive, and even dangerous. Dr. Morris. A lot of times you'll hear evolutionists poor mouth this issue. They say, oh, that if creation is allowed in the schools, that we'll be cheating the students. We'll be teaching them to disrespect science and, and we'll teach them not to think. Nothing could be further from the truth. The way evolution is taught now with this one side only of this multi-sided issue, then the students are not taught to think, not taught to think critically. They're taught to memorize and repeat, perhaps, but that's not thinking. Dr. Baumgartner. Of course, that's absurd, that teaching children to question evolution is dangerous. The way it's dangerous, it's dangerous to the monopoly that atheists have been able to obtain on the public education system. It is dangerous. 
for Christians to wake up, to start becoming active in opposing the unchallenged indoctrination of atheism on the nation's children. So I believe it's dangerous in that sense. It's dangerous for those holding power seeking to impose their atheist beliefs on every child in America. As far as the ability to think critically, I believe the just the dogmatic teaching of evolution is stunting the ability of our children to think critically about issues. I think a healthier situation would be having open discussion in biology and geology classes, earth science classes in high school on the origins question, allowing both points of view to be debated and discussed and the strengths and weaknesses of each side to be evaluated. I believe students would be much better trained to think critically if that were allowed in the public schools. Dr. Baumgartner adds that Christians who are trained in the field of science must take action to begin to level the playing field on the origins debate in the public school arena. We need to get it out on the street. We need to get it into the debate on public education. We need to be challenging head-on the uh, absurdity of evolution, that the mechanism does not exist, mutation doesn't deliver, natural selection doesn't deliver, the fossil record doesn't support the claim that evolution has actually occurred. You know, it cannot be demonstrated in the laboratory. So evolution is dead in the water as far as I can see. There's no way it can be defended. There's not a scientist on the planet that can give a rational, coherent defense of evolution. And given that reality, why are we sitting on our hands? Why are we not out there challenging evolution in school board meetings, in the university setting, and uh, in the media? I I believe it's high time we took our responsibility of being bearers of God's truth in a serious way. But what can creationists who are not trained in science do to combat the evolutionary monopoly in the public sector? They can start becoming more familiar with the arguments, and uh, there are materials available to help them do that. And in their casual conversation with their relatives, with their friends, when somebody confidently asserts that evolution is true, they can challenge that. They can say, well, I I don't have all the answers myself, but I'm aware of people that do have those answers. So I believe it's a matter of, instead of being passive, becoming more proactive on these issues. Dr. Morris says it's also very important that, rather than ignoring evolution, parents should teach their children about evolution and its flaws so that they will be prepared for the secular world. I really encourage parents to teach their kids not to shield them from evolution, but to teach them what it's all about, but to make sure they know why it's not true and why creation is true. Teach them how to think and to think apologetically in the sense that they can give a systematic defense of their faith. Then they have a chance. If we don't prepare them when they go off to school, they're just right picking for the evolutionary evangelist on the university faculty. This ongoing war between the worldviews of creation and evolution really boils down to one thing, faith. Dr. Morris. We dare not neglect the, the meaning of it all, why this is important. I think evolution is the religion that is the opposite of Christianity. Evolution says that we got here by natural processes. It just happened that nature did this. There, there was no supernatural behind it all. Christianity is the idea that there is a supernatural God 
who created all things, created man in his image, to whom we are accountable. We must stand before him someday and give an account of our actions and thoughts. Evolution is the idea that there is no God to whom we are accountable. Dr. Morris adds that what we believe about origins will affect us for all of eternity. But if there is a creator, and if he has set all this up, he has the authority to set the rules and guidelines over our lives, and he has the authority to set the penalty for breaking the rules. The wages of sin is death, he has said. But of course, the creator himself has stepped back into creation to die himself for creation, to restore it, to reconcile it to fellowship with him once again. The Christian worldview rises and falls on its view of origins. Did we get here by natural processes, or are we created in the image of God? If so, then we can have a relationship with that Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.